DJ, PK, and Steve Cleveland, our our college basketball insider, joins us. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Steve, good morning. Good morning. Steve, I can't help but notice with the uh, entire state all sorts of fired up about how the Jazz have been playing, what might happen with some of the big games that they've got to play between now and the All-Star break. The colleges are kind of getting off the hook because this, this isn't going all that well. That, that was a bad weekend. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a tough weekend for, uh, for Utah and BYU. I, I, I kind of felt like it would be a really difficult task for BYU to go up to Gonzaga without Yoli and find a way to win that game. Uh, you know, obviously, Utah State lost in, in ways that we you just those, – those are the kind of nightmares you have as a coach, losing a game like that. And then, of course, Utah – Arizona State played better than I thought they would play, and we knew Arizona would be pretty good. So they've all got to kind of get back up and and, and get back after it. And uh, but I I don't know I, I for someone that was in college basketball for a lot of years, I've kind of fallen in love with the NBA over the last couple of years. And 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 certainly for those that are Jazz fans, you got to be really excited about what's happening. But uh, the NBA is so much fun. I mean, there there's there are great games every night. I mean, it doesn't matter who's playing, and uh, it's fun fun to watch. How does Gonzaga every year just reload and have a slew of great big men, no matter what year it is, no matter what part of the world they come from, somehow they end up in Spokane, and he's got, speaking of few, he's got like three guys that are just better than your guys that are up front. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, uh, that, that program is so connected to to the world, and and a lot of it just stems from – you know, connections from assistant coaches and from Mark and the establishment of a program. And so, you know, success breeds success. And, and you just but by making those connections and being so successful with them and getting them to the next level, that's a huge piece in recruiting. I mean, a lot of people talk about it. Yeah, you know, we're going to develop you and get you to the next level. But they actually do it year in and year out. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one, it's two, it's three guys going to the league. And they're, and they're not necessarily superstars in the league, but they're guys that uh, are superstars in college and find a way and find a niche in the NBA. But I think the, just the past success has just basically established Gonzaga and Mark and, and his assistants. And he's got guys that have serious international connections, and they do find those guys. But I think over I – mean, it wasn't always like that, but the last five to ten years – uh, you, you, I mean, last year they lose four starters. I mean, they lose guys. In fact, he may have lost five starters because Tilly, Tilly was hurt. But at the end of the day, you lose four starters from a really good team, and you think, okay, there's going to be a little bit of a rebuild. There's never a rebuild. It's kind of like reload, let's go. And uh, and they're well coached and got a great environment. And there you have it. And that's why that's why they dominated this league. Uh, and probably will continue to do so uh, until Mark leaves. You know, bring a new coach in, maybe with not quite the same connections, and uh, it, it could change. But I don't see that happening in the foreseeable future. So what you say about Gonzaga, I hear that, and then I think about the Utes, and I think, well, they had a Sweet 16 team, and then Larry Kristoviak had a second-round NCAA team. And, okay, they did need a little bit of time to rebuild, 
but they've missed the tournament three years in a row. It looks like they're going to miss it four years in a row. They are dead last in the Pac-12. And when they beat Kentucky, and PK will tell you this, I'm all sorts of excited, like, okay, they got something. Maybe they don't have everything. There's a little bit of a one-off to it, but there's no way I thought they were going to lose five of their next six. And I know some of those games were really hard because they're good teams, but ASU's not a really good team, and ASU thumped them. What is going – how do they get on track there? What is going on? You know, I, I think, number one, their margin for error is really slim here, okay? They, they've got five or six – I mean, they're playing really six or seven guys. And if two or three of those players don't play well – I mean, Jimmy Allen's been pretty consistent, but everybody else has kind of been up and down where they'll have big games. And there isn't the consistency from the – I mean, they just don't have the depth that – with the experience, the experience and the talent – in terms of the depth of that team, they're so young and so inexperienced. And you tend, as a coach, you go with the six. By this time of the year, you're going with the six or seven guys that have kind of made baskets and you can trust and, and know that uh, and these are the guys who we're going to go with. And they've just been inconsistent. And, and, and being on the road, I don't care where you are on the road in America, it's difficult. And, I, yeah, that Kentucky game was kind of a tease and – uh, just some of the wins. I mean, beating BYU at home. I mean, there, there's reason for optimism. And then you you go there and you drop three. And and, and Colorado is good. And Arizona is good. We know that they're not. They're, they weren't going to beat those people on the road no matter what. But you're right. ASU is a game you feel like that's a winnable game. And so you've got to look at this week and say to yourself, for the, for Utah and whether this program is going to kind of get back rolling and continue to get better. The Washington and Washington State. Washington's two and four. Uh, Utah State's three and three. Washington was picked early to be pretty good, but I think it's imperative this weekend that Utah find a way to beat both of these teams, and then then it, it gives them a little more confidence and get back into there where maybe they can win a game on the road. Uh, but right now, uh, the, the, it is a situation where confidence is is probably real difficult when you got so many freshmen. Uh, where you're really having to work off the court with these young men and keeping them positive. Uh, I, I do believe there's a core group of guys here and a core group of guys coming in next year that the, the things will turn. But this weekend is a big weekend for Utah. I mean, they've they got to be hungry and mad and upset and just focused and uh, find a way to kind of turn this thing around. And, you know, all of a sudden you're 12 and 7 and 3 and 4 and you feel a little bit better about yourself and you sleep better. <laughs> Everything's better. So uh, they're going to be hungry. I, I mean, they've got a chance to win both these games at home, and, and they need to. So when you look at the Jazz, the thing that really jumps out at me is the composition of the roster. And the reason why I bring this up is because they announced over the weekend that Royce O'Neal has been signed to an extension. And Royce was a guy who goes to the University of Denver. Then I think his grandfather was ill and he transfers down to Baylor near his home. And then he goes overseas and then he tries to go in the G League. And we know his story, right? And you look at Joe Ingles, who was out there for years and kept getting cut. And now he's playing at a... I I made this statement that if you look at Gobert and Mitchell... Two guys, to a degree, were overlooked themselves. Uh, they'll likely will be on the All Star team. And then you look at so the next 
if they had a second group of all-stars, which they don't, but Engels and Bogdanovich would be on. And even Bogdanovich was a second-round pick. So my point for you, you got all these guys, and none of them are in the top two or three, and none of them were projected to be superstars and all this stuff. So what's going on that this team, this organization, has been able to pluck a couple of guys, eh, still first-round picks in Gobert and Mitchell, but not extremely high. And then you got two guys who were basically undrafted in Bogdanovich. And what's going on with this organization that they can find these guys and develop them to this level? You know, I I mean, I think it starts at the top. Um, It starts with the... and a unique understanding of, you know, how you put guys together that where you develop that kind of chemistry. You know, everybody always always talks about, you know, team chemistry and what is that. And, well, you know, it's kind of the byproduct of a really good culture. And, and one of the things that's happened, that entire organization has obviously done their due diligence in terms of understanding and knowing what their program has and what they need and what fits and what piece fits here and what piece fits there. And I, I mean, it's hard not to talk about team chemistry when you talk about these guys. Now, team chemistry doesn't make baskets, but the, everybody in this league is really good. I mean, sometimes we look and we think, we, well, you know, they're going, they're going to play this team or they're going to play that team and they're struggling. I mean, they, they all got eight or nine guys that play professionally and, and certainly are, are capable of you know, winning a game on any given night. The thing I love about what they've done over time is, is that they have put a group together and surrounded. I mean, Don, you're right. Donovan Mitchell uh, was a pretty special college player, but nobody thought or saw him coming out and having the kind of impact that he had. But the guys that you like, the Angles, the Bogdanoviches, the Jordan Clarksons, uh, who, who were not big-time guys coming out of college, they they've bought in. They've got them to buy in, and 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 the the chemistry is so good that the sum of the parts is better than the end. And I, don't get me wrong, they got they got really good players. I mean, go, when you're Gobert and Mitchell are all stars, that means they're pretty special. They are special talents, but they're 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 not the you know the top the top two or three elite guys. You know, it's, it's not LeBron. It's not Doug. You know, it's 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 good players, and they just found a way. To play it again, you got to give the coaching staff. You know, you got to give upper management everybody credit for this because they, everybody's kind of bought in. And it's a selfish game. You know, I you probably saw that thing the other day with with JJ Redick talking about you know social media and how guys are, are, are in the locker room and doing things. And you know what? I'm, I'm not saying that the but the Jazz aren't the kind of group that's coming in there at halftime picking their phones up and trying to figure out how many likes they got. I mean, they have a mature group. And, and they're all in, and there's just a culture there that I think has played a huge part in this. Uh, besides some, sometimes you got to get a little bit lucky, too, you know, with a guy. And uh, I, I didn't, uh, you know, just what a great move getting Jordan Clarkson. I mean, my goodness gracious, they may have lost three or four other games if he's not playing because he's been a huge part, averaging 15 or 16 a game. And that the offseason trade for Bogdanovich, who is going off pretty much every night. So it, it is something that's really special to, to watch and see and be a part of. Uh, but those are some of my thoughts. But I, I just believe that talent is never enough by itself to be elite. It just isn't. And they have uh, a culture that has developed a team chemistry that's second to none in the league. 
So at minimum, they're going to split these big games. They got about eight of them here before the uh, All Star break, and at minimum, they'll split those, and maybe they'll do a little better than that. I I, I would agree. I mean, I, I'm looking. I'm looking at that. I mean, they got a tough game tonight, and then luckily they're playing. A, you know, the, the Pacers are playing a back to back, but uh, Indiana. I mean, you you got to give Coach McMillan. A whole lot of credit. I mean, there's three or four people out there that could be considered maybe a coach of the year, and you make a case for a number of them, but uh, what he's done and getting these guys together and doing it without Oladipo, who, you know, I don't know that he's going to come back and be the best player anymore. They've got a lot of guys playing well, but, uh, you know, you think you talk about a big man that was a, a good college player in Sabonis, and he's become a better pro. And, uh, and just, you know, every, every night somebody has a big night. And there's a toughness about them. So I, I think the Jazz went at home tonight, especially after, I mean, Indy had a big win over Denver last night. But do they have enough left in the tank to kind of finish it off? But really, they've got to go to the Nuggets. They, you know, they've got to go to the Rockets. Uh, they, they got the Mavs at home. Uh, you know, those are all games. If you don't come and, and, and play well, you get beat. Uh, but you're right. They got five at home, five on the road. You, you hope that they could go seven and ten, eight and ten, and if they do by that time, uh, you know they could very well be in second place. Right now, you know them and Denver are both 29 and 13. So uh, they, the Jazz have been at nine and one and ten and zero here for two or three weeks. So that's a good thing. But uh, the, the the guys ahead of them are awfully good as well. And if the Clippers stay healthy and can actually play the guys that are on their roster. Uh, It'll probably be hard to get past the Clippers and the Lakers, but right now Utah's right there. So you never know. Injuries play a big role right now. Guys are getting rested. Uh, but they've had a schedule, a really, really good schedule, Utah, the last two and a half, three weeks. And uh, I don't see things changing. So because you were so heavily involved in college basketball and then you served a mission for three years, you know, we can see where you didn't have the opportunity to follow the NBA. And now you've got more free time and you're following it and you're enjoying it big time. And one of the things that I think you've got to be amazed on, and I want to get your thought, is watching LeBron James at 35 years of age still do what he does. It's an absolute marvel in my mind because you look at some of the great players that are of our generation. Magic wasn't playing. You know, Jordan, when he won his last title, people think he was an old man. He was 34 years old. He was only 34 years old. And then he sat out for, a what, two or three years and then came back. Yeah. And Larry Bird, I, I don't even think he was – he was hardly even walking at that age, right? And so then you look <laughs> yeah. at what LeBron is doing, and it's just absolutely amazing. And I know you are a basketball purist. you just got to you gotta love watching him play ball. I, I do. You know, you know I, and I know there's a lot of LeBron haters and, and, and coaches – you know, especially when you're coaching this game in college or at whatever level, you, you, you kind of focus on your team. But from a, from afar, I, I have always loved LeBron. I, I mean, I loved LeBron when, when Cleveland. That was one of the happiest moments. I mean, I, I'm not. A, I've never been a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, but but at the end of the day, to watch what he did there. But I, I completely agree with you. And the thing that's just been amazing to me is how he can transform his game and put himself in a situation where he's a primary scorer or where now he's, he's passing the ball and he's playing the point. Uh, and he's just been so durable. And, and there's a lot of reasons people don't like people. 
But for me, I mean, he's the essence of this league. Uh, and to see what he's doing there with the Lakers, and obviously when Anthony Davis is there, they've got, they've got a good team. But you know, this is a team that just kind of put together. I mean, you talk about the years of chemistry, the years of building a culture. I mean, the Lakers haven't had a culture in, in 10 years. I mean, it, it has been non-existent. And LeBron comes in there, and, and I think you're going to give credit to Coach Vogel. I mean, I mean you know, hey, who can't coach LeBron and Anthony Davis? But he must be pushing the right buttons and doing the right things and understanding individuals and what their needs are and keeping them together. Because even though they have, I mean, for him, for Coach Vogel to keep that group together as they've done uh, in, his, in his unique coaching style, I mean, it is pretty incredible because that was a really volatile, volatile place. And, I mean, from the GM down. And LeBron has just been the steadying force there. And, uh, you know, whether it's defensively or offensively, uh, he's, it's the best I've ever seen him with his teammates. And uh, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, it, it's just a, he's a phenom, in that, unlike anybody that we'll probably ever see again. And, and the thing is, is this, this game, it, it wears and tears on you. That's the incredible thing. At 35 years of age, to be able to do that and do it at that kind of level, he's taking care of his body. I mean, he's really taking care of his body and done the little things off the court. And, you know, it's hard for me because I'm really close to Paul George. And, but I have been a Laker fan my whole life. And to see LeBron go there, having grown up in Southern California uh, and being a Dodger and a Laker fan, uh, it's hard for me still not to pull for him. Uh, and so I, I have to deal with that when they play the Clippers. But uh, I love what LeBron's doing. And uh, he's got a heart, man. He has got a big heart. And sometimes he says some dumb things and does some things through social media that are a little quirky and crazy. I don't even know why he deals with any of that. But uh, and there's nobody on the planet better than him. I mean, I, there, there's guys maybe they're a little bit better offensively, defensively, but in terms of how he impacts the game, nobody's better than he is. Steve, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Expecting to hear from Royce O'Neal, new four-year contract. We'll talk with him coming up on our next segment. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Jeff signed Royce O'Neal to a contract extension, four years, $36 million, according to his agent. Jazz are back in action tonight. They host the Pacers, 7 o'clock, Vivint Smart Home Arena. Pre-game show starts at 6 o'clock with Jazz game night, the pregame show. Pacers played last night in Denver. They won 115-107. Sabonis with a triple-double in that game. Top of the Wire brought to you by Action Plumbing. Call Action Plumbing and get your winter furnace tune-up and safety check for $33 by calling 801-833-3333 or going to actionplumbing.net. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. They've got huge auctions in Meridian. Right on the edge of Boise, they do some really big auctions. Not the storage auctions, but, oh. but sightseeing Oh, auctions. yeah, yeah. Because honestly, you go to one of those storage unit places up in Idaho, and it's just like, oh, yeah, you don't want that. All right, this meth lab goes for $100. I don't understand all these bottles of iodine. Wow. Yeah. You're going deep. I had a girlfriend that was arrested and put in prison for a long time. Um, so Wait a minute. No, you Wait know that. <laughs> I know know it. Uh, My first kiss went to prison for 30-some-odd years for... It's true. ...a very large meth lab. That's kind of a rough first kiss. This kiss, this kiss.
and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Royce O'Neill scheduled to join us here in a few minutes. Been talking about the question in the morning. The schedule's getting tougher. What are your expectations for the Jazz? PK, do you think we have a long line of people tweeting at us that the schedule's going to get tougher? It is going to get tougher. Yeah. I know. What do you expect? The schedule to get tougher? Thank oh, you. Oh, funny. Yes. Well, fortunately, their wives think they're funny. <laughs> There's a lot of cleverness running around right now. Five of the eight games are at home. Home and home with the Mavs and the Nuggets and the Rockets. This is ideal because you're obviously playing very well. And now you got all these games. And then you know, hey, we just need to bust it and then we get a week off. So it's not like, uh, oh my gosh, this thing's never going to end. No, it is going to end. And you'll have a week to refresh yourselves. For this second, uh, will be a little bit more than the second half of the season. but Basically, it'll be the last third of the yeah. season. So get yourselves fired up to go and do that. That's great. So the, you, can just, you can just ball out between now and what I think the last game's like the 12th or something. Something like that. Yeah. And just be fired up to play. I would think these guys are jacked. They want to show everybody. Everybody wants to see. If you're following the NBA, you know the Jazz have put together a really good stretch. And they got some excellent talent, and a lot of it has been against you know uh, lower level competition. But now all that stuff you don't have to worry about at the professional level, because you'll eventually you'll play everybody just like everybody else does. And now you got these teams, and you got five of the eight at home, and it's the perfect time for it because you could ball out knowing that even if you got a couple nagging injuries, hey, you got a whole week. Actually, got a little bit more than that to relax. And the way it sets up because it is Houston and Denver and Dallas. You know, there's a lot of people assuming the Lakers and Clippers are the best teams in the West. We'll see if that turns out to be true. But they're assuming that. But these other teams, very little separation in the race for three, four, five, six. We're joined right now by Royce O'Neal, Utah Jazz man, getting the contract extension. Royce, good morning. Good morning. How you guys doing? We're doing well. So when you get the call from your agent, and even if you didn't have the deal at that point, but you knew their offer and you knew how things were going to work out, did you have a moment where you thought, wow, Denver to Baylor to Germany to Spain to the NBA Summer League, and the, the dream, it, it worked out. Here you are. You're in the league for four more years for $36 million. Um, Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you know, like you said, what's – once he called me and told me, you know, uh, like I was just like in shock, like surprised, you know, because, you know, just thinking about how far I came, you know, my journey and everything, like I've been around for, you know, more years than NBA, something I always dreamed of since I was a little kid. Yeah, obviously everybody dreams that, and you're living the dream. But I want to know from you, Royce, because you got to this point through your edge by grinding and giving everything you have. So how do you make sure you don't take that approach, wow, I've arrived? Because in order for you to be successful individually, you still have to have that hunger. Um, I think just, you know, it's just something I always grew up with, Um, you know, playing-wise, always having that chip on my shoulder, you know, uh, always wanting to get better every day and then always thinking or having that mentality that there's always somebody that's you know trying to come for your spot but I think just overall 
basketball, you know, for a living. Wanting to get better, be, you know, be, become somebody in this league. You know, a big part of this deal has been your ability to learn to shoot the three-pointer. Every NBA team needs that. They're looking for guys who can do it. Your percentage has risen every year. You're in the mid-40s now. How many three-pointers do you have to shoot? How, what kind of routine do you have to have to learn to do that at the level you're doing it? I think just, you know, becoming consistent with it. You know, during the summer, I can't even count up the number of threes that I shoot like every day I mean and then like I mean even now throughout the season you know every day shooting at least a hundred and just having that confidence when I get in the games and then shooting the ball you know being comfortable with it Joe Ingles talks about how when he got cut by the Clippers, he was thinking, okay, that's it. I gave him my best shot, and maybe I'm not going to make it. And then we know what happens, and the Jazz pick him up, and he goes on to these great lengths. Along your process, did you ever have any doubt of whether you would make it? I mean, I don't think I ever had doubts, but, like, you know, it was it was times I was disappointed. You know, I, was, I always felt like I was, like, close to making it. Um, you know, after like coming back from playing overseas to doing like uh, mini camps and then playing summer league each year and always being like right there, but not, you know, getting that opportunity. So it was like, I wouldn't say I always had doubts, but it was definitely some disappointment. But I always just, you know, kept my dream alive that I was going to make it one day. I was going to try to do whatever I had to do to get there. I just need that one shot, one opportunity. Well, you're not only getting this opportunity because of your work ethic and your individual success and stats, it's because you fit well into the team and the team is doing well. And we all know that this hasn't been the toughest stretch of schedule and you guys have been winning night after night. But the schedule is getting more difficult. There are more playoff teams ahead here in the next three weeks or so. How much does that excite you right now? And how much is it just, hey, it's the NBA, when's the next practice, when's the next game, let me know what time i got to be there for the bus? I think just every, like, every day just waking up, you know, realizing that you get to play basketball for a living, you know, that's very exciting. And in every game is exciting, you know. Uh, you going out there competing hard every day, playing with your teammates, you know, it's fun. And try to win as many games as you can. You know, try to get as far as you can. Is everybody working to that playoff goal and much more? Why didn't you want to test what could possibly be ahead of free agency and you wanted to, once they offered it to you, to go ahead and say, yeah, I'm going to make that commitment to the Jazz? Uh, I just, you know, thought about everything. You know, the situation I was in, you know, um, team-wise, you know, I feel like we have a great team. That can, you know, be competing you know, in the future a couple more years you know, for a championship. Uh, the guys that are around me being comfortable here in Utah. Um, and then you never know what can happen free agency wise. So, I, I mean, I feel really comfortable, you know, with the guys, the team, coach, uh, the front office people. And, you know, just the opportunity that they gave me, you know, wanting to keep me here and then for me to be around. What do you feel is like your next big challenge? Uh, just keep getting better. You know, I don't try to limit myself or challenge myself like that. Think about it too much. 
Um, as long as I, you know, keep developing, uh, you know, keep being the person that I am, I feel like I'm going to get better. Well, Royce, congratulations on the extension. Four more years in a jazz uniform, jazz man for the foreseeable future. It was a long road, but a uh, heck of an accomplishment. Congratulations. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Royce O'Neal. Four years, $36 million, the announcement uh, coming Sunday that he's got the extension. And PK, I think this comes down to, and I know we're all caught up right now in, in the right now, you know, in 2020, but you can just see the decisions the Jazz are making. They're watching this team playing together and projecting ahead, and is this the team they want to have in 2022 and 2023? And Some of it. It seems early to be worried about that, and most of the league, I think, is waiting for the summer of 2021, so like kind of 16, 17 months from now, 18 months from now. There's going to be a lot of teams with cap room, and there's got a lot of big names who are free agents. But signing Bogdanovich, that was the, the first piece going forward. Uh, the extension for Joe Ingles, and now Royce. That's three decisions they made on guys they want past that, which should be a crazy summer. Now, obviously, we all assume Gobert and Donovan Mitchell are going to be offered the max. You know, and that those will be two more pieces, and you know that'll play out when it plays out. But you start to get an idea that not only the management's looking, okay, what do we have to do for this year, and thinking, well, we got to change some things on the bench. The coaches are changing rotation. The front office is acquiring Clarkson, but they're also looking at the team, clearly thinking, what do we want this team to look like two or three years from now? Oh, no question. But the good thing about it is they're signing the younger guys, and Ingles and Conley, who are the older guys, will be available. Uh, their money will be available. Their slots will be available if they choose to use it. So these guys are at that point. They've got the younger nucleus, which uh, uh, Royce is 26 years old, so he's still part of the younger nucleus. Mitchell and Gobert obviously are part of the younger nucleus. Uh, Bogdanovich, we'll see what happens down the line. Uh, but Conley and Ingles, then they would be coming up. So you have to maintain this flexibility, and then also have your core. So the core, if you boil down the core, it's more than two. But if you just went two, that's Mitchell and Gobert. Those guys, they have, I don't think Gobert wants to go anywhere. Now we had uh, somebody tweeted at us uh, when the Knicks were in town. (laughs) Yeah, that uh, Mitchell is going to look great being an all-star from New York, and that's what the Knicks are thinking because that's home and go get him in the big city, blah, 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 blah. All right, maybe that happens, but... They still got five more years of control of this man, right? The way it works. Did you Assuming get most most players, when they're offered that second contract, they take it. It's the guaranteed money, and they don't really mess around with free agency until after that. So, yeah, I would assume that. Well, isn't the restricted at the start so you can match you it? You do. You do. So he's going to be around for a while. I'm not worried about uh, 2026. Uh, <laughs> I mean, come on. I know, right? You know, that Worry about the right. You got to get closer to got, that before you got, start worrying about. They got that. the end of his rookie deal, and he is restricted in here. And so, yeah. yes. So this group, and then who they want to add to it, they've got the flexibility to add. You just can't add anybody. You got to make sure you're adding the right pieces, and they know what that piece. Is. They talk about the jazz DNA and all that stuff. Well, they've got that down now. They've got that down pat. Everybody knows who. They are. Everybody knows what that is. Right. So they're set up to be uh, consistently winning. 
You don't know what's going to happen, but you can just set yourself up. And it looks like they're going to go ahead and do that. So, And this is a good move here because it's not like it's a break break the bank. And obviously, Royce O'Neal is not a break-the-bank caliber player. But he's one of these guys, too, that is a little bit beyond what the stats say as far as a contribution. So, we, you know, just talking with, uh, with Royce, obviously, we're looking at it from his point of view – you know, playing at the two colleges, going overseas, playing with a couple of foreign clubs, and then the you know the road back and develop here over the course of you know two and a half seasons with the Jazz. Now, from the Jazz perspective, they found a diamond in the rough in Joe Ingles, developed them. He had the work ethic. He gets a lot better. Now they've done it with Royce O'Neal. Find the diamond in the rough, develop him. He's got the work ethic. He gets a lot better. How often are they going to do this? Who's the next guy? How much better is Niang going to get? He seems to be kind of on that track a little bit. Who else is out there? I mean, you see the, all the second-round picks they took. Is I don't think they're all going to turn out, but is one of them going to turn into something? Oh, I think they can be an end-of-a-rotation guy. I don't know that there's anybody on the roster who is going to develop to the level of a Joe Ingles and a Royce O'Neal. Now, I could be wrong because I haven't seen any of these guys play in games that really matter. And so I don't know that. You know, I, I I have been pleasantly surprised at Tony Bradley. I thought Tony Bradley was going to be somebody that they would cut after a couple years. And not to say that he's all that, but he's playing on a team that looks like they're going to win over 50 games. That means you got a little spot in the league, and maybe he could develop. So I take that back. Maybe Bradley can be that guy who can develop more than what he already is. I would be surprised if Niang was more than what he is right now. Well, not everybody. And those second rounders, I have no clue. Right. <laughs> I'm with you on that. And, and not everybody's going to develop to the point that they're going to be a starter and be getting a you know, 30 or $50 million contract or whatever. Some guys will develop so they just can be into the rotation guys, and you need those guys, so that's positive. But I, I'm just curious now. You see glimpses of these guys, the, the draft picks. You see something they do when they get a brief chance. Sometimes you just see them working out when you walk in for, uh, you know, they're getting their shots up at the end of practice when you walk in for a shoot-around to interview a couple players on a game day. And you just think, when is, when is that guy going to be in six months or a year? Where's that going? All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Your reaction to Royce. we got a lot of you weighing in on a holiday. Some of you are just getting up now. The question of the morning, the Jazz schedule is about to get tougher. What are your expectations for the club from now to the All-Star break? DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Mahomes moving to his left laterally, chased, holding it, and gets out of bounds and up the sideline. He's not out of bounds yet. He's at the 10, inside the 10. He dives to the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. A remarkable acrobatic scramble on a 
incredible young career. This is Chevy Strong Play the Game. Know it today at 450 on the Big Show, and you can win fabulous prizes. Now, let's find out who sucked. As the great philosopher Snoop Dogg once said, This guy sucks. Like a sucker punch. It's time to reward the losers in sports with another edition of This Guy Sucks. You suck. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, it's time to find out who sucked. Who had a bad weekend? I think we can find some individuals who turned the ball over. Aaron Rodgers, a couple turnovers right before halftime. This guy sucks. That was awful. We can find teams that collapsed. The Aggies blowing an 18-point lead in the final four minutes. Boise that, State. That's shocking. Losing overtime. Ten minutes of game time without a field goal. That really sucked. That, yeah. that sucked. Well, I've seen teams suck before, but they were the yeah, suckiest the, bunch uh, of sucks that ever sucked. Boise State scored 25 points in the first half, and like the last five minutes they scored 27. Yeah, 40 in the last, like, nine minutes of that's, game That's time. bizarre. But, and normally I would nominate these folks, but I think we got a clear winner. You had one job, AT&T Sportsnet Rocky Mountain. Get the game on TV Saturday. Man, were there a lot of upset people. And no point. The game ended, and it still hadn't been on TV for the cable viewers. The it, satellite viewers were good to go. It came back on afterwards, though. Did you hear about that? So did they get the replay? Not that they anyone got the wanted re- they the, got replay. the replay. On I got it on. It's 11. So to if speak. You, if you have... I watched it. If you have satellite, you were good to go. But the cable viewers... Oh! I don't even know the difference. Dish, DirecTV, Comcast, you don't know the difference? What's satellite? To me, it's all cable. I don't know. I don't know yeah. what's the difference, honestly. I don't... I know when I was in St. George and I hadn't sat in front of the television, I turned it on and it was on. Well, you're fortunate. People who are on Dish and Direct were fortunate. The people who are on Comcast were not. Some not very angry folks out oh, there. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, it was the thing. It was uh, social media was on fire, and uh, I have Comcast at home and record the games. I was at work, so I saw it on satellite. Went home, and it was really, and sure enough, just scrolling through it before I deleted it and running an old college basketball game and then a graphic explaining what was going on. None of which involved, you know, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Joe Ingles. Oh, I have no idea. I have no idea yeah. what the problem was. That was that was brutal. So a cable company sucks. Or? I think it was. Uh, I think it's on uh, the distribution to the cable company. Seems to be where the the wrench. I have no idea what you're talking up. about. Yeah, there, there's plenty of our listeners who do. People who have Comcast well, all didn't they know see the is game. they didn't see the game, but I don't know. Do they know why they didn't see the game? The transmission to the cable companies failed. Well, the hell knows what that means. <laughs> okay, okay. You don't have to, but lots of people do. But it doesn't do any good because you didn't get to see the game. So, anyways, so is it you an like ongoing it. thing? It better not be. <laughs> it better not be. No, I don't think so. I think they'll have it fixed for tonight. Why? Okay, but why was it? They didn't down? get in. They didn't get into why. That's there what was, I'm saying. There was some piece. All they of know is they turn on the TV. The game wasn't on. Right. There was some piece of equipment that failed in the statements that were issued by the companies. I wouldn't have any clue. And they couldn't get it fixed. They didn't notice it in time. And they noticed it, but they couldn't get it fixed. Why not? A part failed. I guess I don't know. They didn't well, get into that much so of why. Go to Home they... Depot and <laughs> buy it apart and put it in and away. Well, hopefully they did, but they couldn't do that before uh, nine thirty. Saturday night. No? No. So there are a lot of upset people. 
You have anyone else you would like to spotlight oh, for sucking this weekend? Yeah, yeah. Darrell Rivas going after Richard Sherman. Fear of getting beaten man-to-man coverage. Every snap, every play. The fact that he doesn't travel as a cornerback is lame. Except the challenge. Of course, he, he spelled except E-X-C-E-P-T. Except the challenge as the best and shut Adams down the entire game. And so, of course, that's not going to go over well with our man, Richard Sherman. This guy sucks. <laughs> Uh, he said, I have to cover every game, kid. I get my hands on the football in the playoffs. Something you will never know about. <laughs> and then he said, and it's except A-C-C-E-P-T. Thought I would give you a lesson while I was here. This <laughs> <laughs> Stanford guy. Let him have it. Yeah. <laughs> Why would Rivas feel the need just because he's not getting the publicity and the credit anymore? I don't know. Get I don't yourself know. back in the news cycle. Yeah, why Why go after him like this? It, it doesn't uh, it doesn't really make sense to me. What, what's the point? There's some personal beef we don't know about? Well, uh, you're right. I don't know about it. For Richard Sherman to come back from the Achilles, play in the secondary, and go back to the Super Bowl, chasing receivers all over the place. Yeah. I think that uh, Sherman, you're right, that Stanford education, and I think he graduated with a, a f- over a 4-0. So certainly he's going to know the difference between accept and, and accept. Yeah. And he tells him, enjoy the playoffs on your couch or enjoy the Super Bowl on your couch. <laughs> I'm not even going to mess with this. I got a Super Bowl to prepare for. Yeah. What, what would prompt Revis to. Just... Uh, I got nothing for you. It doesn't make any sense to me. I, had, I would go in on this. I would go in on this, has been, but I have a Super Bowl to prepare for. Enjoy the view from the couch. <laughs> okay, you did go in on it. By telling us you would go in on this, but you have a Super Bowl. You are going in on. It. You responded multiple times. Saw some of his post game. He was clearly setting the tone. A guy who both won and lost with Seattle. Hey, this isn't it. This group isn't gonna settle for being there. In it to win it. Well, I think in this case, what makes the game exciting is you have two teams that haven't been there. And so there's no reason for years. any form of complacency because you're both trying to achieve the ultimate prize and none of you has achieved it as a team. Now, obviously, Richard Sherman, and I'd have to look at the roster of right. KC. There's, there's usually yeah. a handful of guys who yeah. did something somewhere else. But yeah. as, as a group, neither one of these teams have done it. Right. And then you got the young kid who was fortunate enough to have the dad in the business so he can get in and... I wouldn't have any idea, nor would you, what that's like to be able to use your name to get in and, and get get the name, get the game uh, broadcast by uh, Joe Buck, who obviously had his father, Jack. Yeah, yeah must be sweet. But that's at the network in his twenties. <laughs> something that I cannot relate to whatsoever. And then you got Andy Reid, who just made it on his own. So I can identify way more with Andy Reid than I can with Shanahan and his flat-brimmed cap. 
<laughs> don't like the flat brim cap. Leave Kyle alone. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. You yeah. just wonder how many great yeah. whatever no. out there, but didn't, didn't have a dad that just a, had flung doors no, wide open. Yeah, yeah. And didn't get true. a chance. Yeah. And he's done the most of it, walking through it and being a good coach. If you look but, more, yeah. but could he have slogged his way and he'd be an offensive coordinator at a, or a coordinator at a group of five school right now? Which, which would be a heck of an accomplishment. Yeah, but and, and straight good, to the NFL. Good on him. And, he's proven yeah. himself. It's not like he's not talented. Right. But, you know, the interview, Shan, uh, the old man, Mike Shanahan, and one of the questions they asked him, uh, how much film of KC are you going to watch these next two weeks? Oh, I'm going to watch a ton. What the hell are you watching film for? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dad, what do you think? <laughs> So I mean, some guys it's fun and it's and it's, it's, it's littered and with that. To it. It's littered with that. You know, you see Nebraska just hired Matt Lubick as their offensive coordinator. Well, Lottie freaking does. Sonny, yeah, right. <laughs> guy we've had on the show. Well, yeah. I mean, Kyle had the break with his dad. Yeah, get you in. It's the way it goes. And good for them. Yeah. And they've all proven it. And that my but, point is not to rep on that, rip on them, but how many guys out there that are real awesome haven't that, gotten a shot, but don't get for whatever. Like Steve Clowkey, guy should have been a big league announcer twenty years ago. Twenty years ago, I listened to Major League Baseball broadcasts in San Diego and then in Santa Barbara, listening all the Dodger games and the Giants and A's games in Sacramento. Certainly, he's as good as some of the dating Blair yourself, man. Games. You can get it and listen to anywhere on the planet right now. Yeah, uh, but that's where I listen to him. You can listen to him now. I could. Yeah, all over the country, anywhere on the planet, you can listen to. But he should have been. City he shouldn't games. have been getting a job now. He should have been getting a job then, twenty years ago. Right. Good for them. Good to catch. That's why I think that uh, I'll probably root for the Chiefs. Because Andy Reid? More of a grinder, yeah. Yeah. The seventh time is the charm. And he had to, had to deal with it publicly with his children. Yeah. And I can only imagine, maybe a little bit more than imagine, the heartbreak that that is. Uh, and he's withstood it. And then just goes right from the Eagles to the Chiefs. And then just immediately establishes them as a winner. So there was a story written up on, I'll tweet it out in this break, uh, ESPN.com did a story on the occasion of his 200th career NFL win, and they uh, republished it and uh, promoted it here with them going back to the Super Bowl. It's got all these stories, and one of the nuggets in there was when Philly decided to you know, part ways with him, mm-hmm. and everybody knew it was going to happen, and he knew, and he was lining up his staff for his next job before he knew what his next job was. Uh-huh. There was a little bit in there that when they, they lost the last game, I think they were 5-11, and 11, and went, the year he got let go, and they lost the last game of the Giants, and when the plane got back to Philly, it said there were three team planes waiting for him. He was literally going to be unemployed for however long he decided to be unemployed because he just had to say yes. And the Eagles front office said that it was one of the worst things they had to do was tell him, hey, you're out. You're out. And he picks the Chiefs, and now this was his— Well, it worked out for both. Yes, this is did. His, They did get their Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this is, their, this is his seventh trip to a conference title game. It's the second time he's won and obviously lost that Super Bowl to the Patriots, so— Another shot here to get to the top of the mountain. Yeah. And we were talking about this with uh, 
with uh, Aaron Rodgers because uh, those two turnovers, I don't know that they would have come back from 17 nothing. but since we just saw a team come back from 24 nothing, it did look like they were about to score and he fumbled the snap from center, whether they would have gotten a field goal or a touchdown, who knows. And then he threw the pick with a minute left and that just kind of got away. And how much heat does he take for that? And your immediate response was, none. He's won a Super Bowl. Rodgers, yeah, he's it's, off the hook that it's, way. It's Teflon for everything that goes wrong in any other year because you got that one over there. That's pretty much all you need, yeah. Yeah, Breeze has his one. Rodgers has his one. Uh-huh. Favre, or Favre got one for the Packers and threw a bunch of. Uh, everybody's making a big deal out of uh, Brady. Is the last pick he throw? Is the last pass he throws to the Patriots going to be a pick six? I don't care. <laughs> Favre's last pass for the Packers, pick six. In a playoff game to lose it in overtime. Uh, Willie Mays was falling down. Uh, Michael Jordan was you, missing shots for Washington. You got uh, your one, or in Jordan's case, your six. I don't. I don't think that's how you're remembered. You're remembered for the great ones, not the bad ones, unless you don't have the great ones. All right, DJ and PK. It's ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone.